Yes, come into his presence. If you are still in the foyer, come on in and find a seat because we are starting and we are going to introduce a new song to you guys today. And it's actually not all that new. If you come early at church, like every Sunday morning, you hear it um, playing in the background. The song is called, I Thank God. And we're going to um, sing the chorus together. And it's nice and it's pretty and it's slow. And it goes like this. So let's sing it together. You picked me up, you turned me around, you placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. And I'm just kidding, it's not slow and pretty, it is fast and awesome, so get ready, here we go.
Lord. It brings us no greater joy, God, but to praise you, to bless you this morning, God. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus. So I wanted to um, read just from Psalm 40. And then my um, electronic Bible has disappeared. So I want to tell you what it says in Psalm 40, verse 1. It starts out by talking about how God pulled us out of the pit, (laughs) that we were in a slimy, miry um, bog. Lots of versions say lots of descriptive things, but he pulled us out that he, like this song just says, he puts, he puts us on solid ground. And uh, this next song that we're going to do, just kind of a continuation of knowing that he is always with us. He is for us. And as we wait on him, whether we're in the pit or whether we're on the mountaintop, he is with us. And, um, and if we are in the pit, um, he wants to pull us out. And he wants us to not want to stay there, but we've got to decide. We've got to decide and we've got to trust him. Um, So Jesus, we just look to you. We look to you in this moment and um, we just lay down everything at your feet, God. And we praise you for your promise to always be with us, God. We love you. You're always with me. 
this great uh, long-standing debate in creation, and that is that uh, God is holding out on us. So from the very beginning, that was the argument. The serpent came to Eve, and he was like, God's holding out on you. I, I don't know what he told you about this tree, but he's holding out on you. He's, he's hiding things from you. You're going to be better if you can do it yourself. If you can learn about good and evil, you will do better. And, uh, and it's still going. You know, it, it just keeps going and going. And um, Juliet asked me if I'd say a word before just kind of introduce giving this morning. And that's what kept coming into my head is like, I don't know. He might be holding out on me. I don't, I don't know if I should give him this 10% or this 15% or this 20% or whatever you, whatever you might be called to give. I don't know if I should give him this because I think I could probably do better without his, his meddling. But it's a lie. It's always been a lie. And it's still a lie. And we talk about money, but, you know, giving and sacrificing and planting seeds has nothing to do with, like, just seeing if you'll white-knuckle it enough to do it. It has to do with watching the blessing grow. It has to do with watching the seed bust out of the ground with this little bitty green leafy thing that turns into this plant, that turns into these blooms, that turns into these seeds, and turns into this replication. And it has to do with God replicating and creating beauty on the earth. And so if you come to church and you want to see a beautiful church, then that beautiful church needs you to plant seeds. And that might be in dollar signs, and it might be in minutes counted, and it might be in energy, and it might be in words, and it, it might be in sharing the gifts that you already have. Because if you don't share those gifts, then there can't be replication. And Jeff brought a watermelon to my house on Friday night and was telling me all about the seeds. And he was all, God had told him to give me a word about these seeds. And that, that's also rolling around in my head today. You know, we can sit there and eat that watermelon and eliminate the seeds, but it might seem better until you realize there's no more watermelons coming without the seeds there's no more Garrett's coming up in the church without all of his children there's no more Newcomb's coming up without Claire there's no more Douglas's coming up without Mila and Olivia there's there's no teaching without your time there's no building without your money and so but as soon as I say that the devil comes in and says wait that sounds a little sneaky I think he just wants your money no no we just want to see his kingdom come on earth. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility. And so you have that opportunity today in these buckets. You have that opportunity in the back at the little lime green. Crazy can't miss it box. Um, your, your tithes and your apps online. However you choose to give. But I would encourage you this morning just to think about the whispers that you might hear about God's trustworthiness and to eliminate those in your mind and let's just go all in with him whatever he's calling you to do amen
are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever. Want me to be God? I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Yes, oh, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making.
you brethren to offer your bodies a living sacrifice now did he mean we were supposed to let you know slice something open and bleed out on the altar no offer your bodies a living sacrifice what does it look like to offer your body it means that you give up your flesh you give up the desires of your flesh you give up all your want to's to him why? Well, because he makes more out of it than you could ever make out of it yourself. We can strive and fight our whole lives to make something and if we'll just give up, like, like the great, like the, where the new wine comes from. You know, it, it's a scary thing to, to allow yourself to be trimmed and so that more grapes come out. We lived at a house one time and it had grapevines and they were just beautiful. Covered this whole fence and everything. We came home from work one day and it was all cut back and there were just sticks hanging on this fence. And I asked the guy, the next door neighbor, I said, what'd you do? And he said, well, you got to decide what you want. Do you want a bush or do you want grapes? Because in order to have the grapes, you got to have stuff trimmed back. And that's what we allow God to do in our own lives sometimes is for him to trim those things back to, and then crush the grapes to make that new wine. Amen. Y'all be seated. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for always being trustworthy for, for taking the junk that we have to give from our lives and making something awesome out of it. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glad you're here this morning. We ought to just go home after Brent's message there. That was a, that was a good word, good word. Um, but we're not going to because I haven't preached in a while, so sorry. You're going to have to sit there for a little bit. Um, I've got three announcements. One, Saturday serve days during the month of June on Every Saturday, 9.30 to 12-ish, we are working at the food pantry. We're working with God's House of Prayer, our partner church there, and it's going to be awesome. If you've never been there, I encourage you to try it out. Uh, there's also, there, so there's a sign-up sheet back there, and you can find a day that you can work, or all of them, or just whatever you can do. And then on Fridays, the... Um, Unloading the truck happens on Fridays, not on Mondays this year. And so you'll find those dates on there too. Uh, sign up. Camp registration. If you want to go to camp, you need to be uh, get online and do that sign up stuff now. Ask Pam if you need help with anything. Some people up in, on the front are excited about going to camp. And uh, if you need a scholarship, Pam is the person to talk to. And then lastly, start here. Starts... Uh, June the 4th, so that's two weeks away. Uh, Sunday, June 4th, right after church, and we'll have a meal. So you sign up for that. There's online sign up. We got a couple of people that are ready to go already. And uh, so that's immediately after church. It'll only take about an hour and a half. And you'll get fed, and it'll be good. All right? So I want you to take five and come right back in five minutes, and we will have a message. Toby Jackson. This year, we have one graduate to recognize, 
And the church has purchased him an awesome, awesome Bible by Chuck Swindoll. This Chuck Swindoll study Bible. And uh, you can preach anywhere now. So congratulations. We're proud of you. Awesome. Y'all give him a hand. He is an officially a a graduate. Uh Uh-oh. Here. We'll do it like this. Get get ready, Sandy. Did you get it? Okay. You're pretty far back back there, but... Can you say something to Toby? I bet you can. These three guys right here and Toby, and we went down to camp Toby had slayed in the spirit right there in the floor. Hmm. And that's when kids, seven, eight, nine years old, laid hands on me. And then, like, if you go to camp, you can't go because there's nothing like it. But I've seen such change in these guys. And I just want to tell my mother and Toby, I'm so proud of you. And, uh, but I want you to know the church has been a big part of recognizing who you are in Christ and just the man you're becoming. Amen. Amen. Camp. Camp has been a formative experience in many of our lives. It was for me, for sure. Um, a lot of things happened for me and to me at camp. Good stuff, not the bad stuff. But uh, yeah, I can tell you what, those boys were smoking and drinking and carrying on, gambling until camp. They, the difference in them, man, I'll just tell you what. That was not true, if anybody of you are wondering. Um, I've been referred to a few times as the lying pastor, so just just be aware. I want to thank uh, a bunch of people. Pam and I were gone for the better part of a couple of weeks uh, for our son's Korean wedding in South Korea, about... Um, I've, 7,300 7, and something miles away. Um, the, I don't know if any of y'all know this, but when you go to another country, they speak completely different languages. <laughs> In France, they speak French. And I don't mean the French like we say, pardon my French, it's not like that. Uh, in Korea, they speak a completely different language and they even use a different alphabet. So it is uh, just a whole new experience. They also eat some uh, very, 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 very different foods. I was sure after one meal that we had that people were going to bust out laughing and say, you've been eating weeds all this time. We heard Brent and Juliet's the other night and there was this big pot and it had some water in it and they had been throwing, they'd been picking weeds and throwing them in this pot. And so some of it had kind of fermented and, and all. And I said, look, Pam, Korean food. Um, so that's been our experience, but I want to thank everybody who had a part in helping things to carry on while we were gone, not the least of which would be Jeff Briner, who makes things happen all the time that uh, a lot of y'all don't know about, but uh, I'm so appreciative of him, and then Dale and Sandy, uh, which they're out in, in the foyer right this Sunday, making sure things work right. Brent and Juliet, and, um, and then Yvonne Jones spoke, was that last week? It seems like it's been at least three weeks. Um, if you've ever been 14 hours away on a plane, and then if you travel east coming home like we did, um, I feel like a baby that's got their nights and days mixed up because it is, uh, it's been really tough. And I just never would have imagined that it would have the impact that it has had on us. But anyway, we went to Korea. Um, and it's a, it's a different place in a lot of ways. It, in many ways, it's like uh, a, a lot of the experience is very Western and very much like America, especially driving. Um, the, the street signs and all look just like they came off of our highways. And um, 
uh, when Cameron moved there, since he had a Texas driver's license, um, all he had to do was go show that driver's license, and they just handed him a driver's license over because uh, the laws are identical. The driving laws and everything are just the same. And so they just gave him a license. So there are a lot of things that are similar, but there are so many things that are different. From one, for one thing, they have millions and millions of people squished into a state, uh, to a, a whole country that's not much bigger than Oklahoma. And uh, I mean, you can drive from one end to the other in about four hours and... They've got all these people squished in there and the driving ever which away with a million scooters that are delivering different kinds of food all squished in. And the scooters don't obey any traffic laws. They, they're in and out, zipping between people. And so when you stop at a light, you're the first one at the light. So you're ready to go as soon as it turns green. And before you know it, there's about 15 scooters right in front of you that have come all the way up through several lanes of traffic. And so I, I, you've got to picture this because in the United States, it would be nonstop road rage. It, there would be shooting every which way. You just can't imagine what it would be like. But these people do a, such a strange thing. You're driving down... Okay, you're driving down a street, like in between apartment buildings and stuff. You're driving down a street that's only two cars wide, and there's people parked on that same street. And, and so you drive on the wrong side of the street for a while, and everybody does it. And then scooters are coming at you, and other cars are coming at you, and they all work in together so that nobody crashes and nobody shoots each other. And no, I mean, it's just an amazing experience because what happens is the people cooperate. And, and I don't mean cooperate, I mean they cooperate. They work with each other to make all this stuff happen. Nobody waves that one-fingered wave at anybody else. Um, it's just the strangest, strangest experience of cooperation. And I mean, there were a lot of strange experiences, but that was one of the things that really caught my eye. Uh, it is how much they just work together. And why do they do that? Well, partly because they have to. They have very, very limited real estate on this con continent. Is it a continent? No, it's not a continent. It's part of Asia. I'm sorry. Don't start. Don't, don't Google it. Just don't. Stop. Um, this peninsula, the half of it is southern Korea and the top half is northern Korea fading into China and uh, we only went to South Korea because if you go to North Korea, sometimes it's hard to get out. Um, they're all squished into this small area, so everything is built up. Um, 50, 60, 100 story buildings just everywhere. I mean, think if you've ever been to New York City, think of that, all squished into a spot. And, you know, like on Manhattan, there's big, tall buildings on the, on the south end, big, tall buildings kind of in the middle and on the north end. This is just big, tall buildings everywhere. But they still have mountains with trees all over them. It's, uh, and it's, that's, they're a little bit like Hawaii, if you've seen that. So, but all these people squished into this place, they have no alternative except to work together like an organism that just kind of works together in everything they do and I was struck by how cordial they are how much they serve each other we had when you're sitting at a table people are reaching over and putting food on your plate all the time and I mean that's just normal um, literally serve each other and where it seems to me selfishness drives a lot of Western culture where we live. Um, people in Korea don't think of themselves first in everything. Um, they think of society as kind of this organism working together. 
And I was reminded um, Greg is, oh, it's Jeff. Jeff is 1 Corinthians 10 23, the first scripture? Yeah, it is. Okay. Where um, Paul is talking about freedom. When you talk about freedom in Christ, we, we sang about that today. Where there's freedom, there is new power. And sometimes we think of freedom as just getting to do whatever you want to do. But that's, that's not really freedom. I'm reminded of my uh, philosophy professor in college that, that he took his glasses and he waves them back and forth. And he goes, are, what, for, what is freedom? And he goes, it, are, are the, is my earpiece here free to move? You go, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what about now? And he breaks his earpiece off of his glasses. I mean, it was his real glasses. And um, freedom isn't just getting to do whatever you want to do. It's freedom to move within certain boundaries and restraints like a train. It's free to move on the tracks, but it only kind of goes forward and backwards or wherever the track goes. But it's not free to go off the tracks like we do sometimes. And so Paul says... When he's talking about the freedom that he, that he has in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, he says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. See, I'm free to do all, all, all kinds of things, but not everything's helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify, which means to build up. I can do all these things, but not all of the things that I can do build myself and others up. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. I would, uh, let me share a couple of things about Korea because it has bearing on, and I'm not, I'm not touting Korea. Uh, probably won't go back. And if I never eat any more Korean food, I hope my daughter-in-law is not listening. But if I never eat Korean food again, I'll be good. The first thing I did when I landed at DFW was go straight to a Cracker Barrel um, to eat some American food. I had chicken and dumplings. Amen. I'm just going to read a couple of... uh, Statistics to you. The 2005 South Korean census showed almost 30% of the population identifying as Christian. And there's a, there's a combination of uh, Catholics and Protestants and there's lots of Presbyterians. Um, but... Uh, and then there's Orthodox Christians and... Here's one of the statistics that I thought was important. That South Korea provides the world's second largest number of Christian missionaries, surpassed only by the United States. And especially in countries where Westerners aren't welcome, Koreans are able to go in and be missionaries in those countries. Um, I, Because of the influence of Christianity in... Korea, I think that they've still got some roots in being not self-serving, but others serving. I don't know how, how much you've noticed, and maybe you have to be older like myself, because uh, I'm old. Next year, next month, I will be really old. Um, I'll be that retirement age of old, but, and maybe you have to be old enough to realize how much America has changed uh, and how selfish we've become. If you drive in Dallas, you know what I'm talking about because people will not let you in. And, and in Korea, just people worked with each other. They let each other in. Um, they'd let you drive on the wrong side of the road and everybody would just stop and let you by. I mean, it's just the craziest thing. That doesn't happen in Dallas. 
It used to happen in Fort Worth, but now Fort, Fort Worth has caught whatever Dallas has, and so it's the same in Fort Worth and Dallas now. And any, most any other city that you drive in, in America, I've found that to be true. Denver, um, Kansas City, uh, wherever you go, people are selfish, and they want what they want, and they want it right now, and th- whatever they're doing is more important than whatever you're doing. Paul said, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And that was a key to peaceful coexistence. Um, Continues just a few verses later, he says, therefore, and this is important. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Do all to the glory of God. We sing songs about that a lot of times about glorifying God in all that we do. And we sing it in faith because we aren't doing that all the time. I mean, I'm not and I don't, I don't need a show of hands or anything, but I'm not doing that all of the time. He says, give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Um, he goes on in that and, and, uh, and talks about eating meat sacrificed to idols, but that's another sermon. He says a few verses before that in the same chapter, he says, and he's talking about the communion. And when we, when we take communion and we've got the cup and we've got, we've got the bread that represents Jesus' blood and his body. And he says, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? That we all drink from that same cup. It is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ. Now, when we, when we partake of the bread, we don't actually break the bread up like Jesus did at the supper. We, we have those little crackers, and since COVID, we've, all, we've had everything separate all the time, and so nobody touches anybody else's crackers. I'll be glad when we're over that. But, but oftentimes, I've done it with a big loaf of bread, and I, and I would say these words, the, we partake We, though we are many, are one because it's one loaf of which we all partake and then break that bread. And literally, we're taken from that same loaf. And it's a picture of that oneness. Since there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. That's chapter 10, verse 16. I think everything is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 12. I'm going to read on. Paul Paul talks of a certain organism that is a picture of that oneness. He uses the picture of a body to represent the church and what it looks like and how it has to work together. He says, uh, chapter 12, verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members... So my body has many members. I've got hands and feet and ears, earses and eyes and a little bit of hair. And, um, but there's many parts to my body. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He goes on from 12 onward to the end of that chapter. He talks about that if the body says, if the hand says to itself, you know, since I'm... Since I'm not an important part of the body, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm just leaving. What happens if you, your hand is separated from your body, though? It's no good anymore. And then the body suffers. And that's the picture that we have when we're not operating together. When a, when a body suffers some kind of neurological damage or uh, is born with some kind of congenital 
defect like um, cerebral palsy or something like that. And the body doesn't work together because electrically things don't connect. We've seen what that, how that works. That it, it, inter, it interferes with people walking, with being able to, to take a drink of water because things, there's misfiring of nerves and things like that. I think that's a picture of what we've got in our society when, when people are selfish and, and one part of the body fights with the rest of the body. That's what disease looks like. That's, that's when the body isn't working the way it's supposed to work and, and it, yeah, it's not good. In Ephesians, Paul is writing to another church uh, in chapter 4. He says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. When he, when he said... I, All things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want to do, but that's not helpful in building up the body. So in Ephesians 4, he says, um, everything has to work together in order for the body to be built up and building itself up in love. When he talks about giftings, back in 1 Corinthians again, when he talks about what, what happens with the gifts? We can enjoy them ourselves. But what, what good would it do if our awesome worship team just sang at home? And I mean, I'm pretty sure Jen sings at home. But she, she also brings it up here and shares it with all of us. And, and what a blessing that is. It builds the whole body up. Because the rest of us who don't sing quite as well are able to sing along with her and enjoy that gift and feel like we're a part of that. And we get built up. Building itself up in love. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. See, if the gifts didn't work together, I mean, everybody could do their own thing up here, even play different songs, but how would that be? The spirit, but the spirit pulls all that together. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. I, I haven't ever experienced it here, but I've been in churches where different ministries fought with each other over control of things. How many of you have ever been on volunteer fire department? Um, and when it, you go to a, a house fire or a, an automobile accident and one group fights the other on over who's going to have control that that's the picture and and we see it in church sometimes thankfully not here but there's diversities of ministries even but the same lord and there are diversities of activities but it is the same god who works all and in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all and that's what we experienced here this morning with the worship team that brought their gifts and we all profit from it. Now we understand that at church. This is not new information for anybody here. But is it for here? Nothing that we do is for this building. Everything that we do and we practice here is for outside of the building. And the influence that we have on our own culture, on what, what we show our kids about how to drive, whether or not to let people in, how much we use our horn. <laughs> I don't want to see a show of hands on that either. And I don't know how, much of you, how many of y'all talk to other drivers, but... Josh, everybody's looking at you. <laughs> I do too. Right up here. Yeah, got it. Okay. 
we're responsible for ta- to take anything that we do in here out there. That's the most important thing. Not what we do for an hour or so on a Sunday morning. The most important thing is what we do outside these four walls. He says in, in chapter 12, he says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Like if the eye says, you know, I mean, if the, yeah, if the eye says, you know, I think the ear's so much cooler. So I'm just, I'm just taking my toys and going home. That doesn't work very good. If the whole If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the seeing? Pretty simple picture, right? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all eyes, if we were all singers, if we were all preachers, if we were all people who minister the food, uh, where would the, everything wouldn't get done. There are giftings given to this body. And I mean, it's not all grown-ups either. Young people have opportunities to sing up here, have opportunities to minister to children The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less, less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. We cover some of our parts up, right? Um, Have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. God composed the body, having given great honor to the part which lacks it, and therefore should be no schisms in the body. So we shouldn't divide the body up. But members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ and members individually. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after the miracles, then the gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Or are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And that's the end of chapter 12 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Who knows what comes after the book of the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians? What? The 13th chapter. Did everybody know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the chapter that comes right after, right after chapter 12. And it's sometimes called the love chapter. Because Paul says at the end of that chapter 12, he says, I'm going to show you something even better than all of that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And he's talking about speaking in tongues right there. If I, as awesome as that is, but if I don't have love mixed in with that, I become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. How many of you love a good cymbal solo? But how can you have the Star Spangled Banner without? Cymbals are important, but they're only a part of it. Just like tongues are important, but without love, they don't mean anything at all. And he's been talking about tongues throughout the book of 1 Corinthians. 
though I have the gift of prophecy, that I can speak forth God's word or even tell something that's going to happen. I have that and understand all the mysteries. How would you like to understand all mysteries? All knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. Though, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Is all that up there? Wow, who's doing that? Good job, Greg. I did, that's the only scripture that I didn't give him. Um, I, I submit to you that what's wrong with our society is that we've lost the love. That we've lost the ability to put other people first. I'm not... This isn't a universal truth. Not everybody in here is guilty of this. But driving is definitely a metaphor for love lost and inability to, to put other people before ourselves. But it trickles down in society and affects everything else. It affects how, what we do with our time and what we do with our treasures, our, our money, whether or not we're able to help somebody else. We are so blessed in opportunities that we have to minister to other people in this part of Oklahoma. We, we helped some people keep their electricity on this past year. Quite several times. All different people. Because we don't want to be, we don't want to support People are living frivolously and, and don't have a plan. But when somebody comes into a bind because a car broke down or something like that and we can help them to keep their electricity on and not get in a deeper hole, that's Jesus. And we're able to do that because of people sharing in what they have. And that's all we do is we just share. Because when one, Paul talked about the church and he said when one, when one person has and the other one has not, then they shared. And Pliny the Younger, the famous historian from the time of Jesus, said that this weird bunch, uh, they're called Christians in most places, they share all that they have. Their love is without equal. I would that, we, that that could be said about us now. That that would be the most unusual thing about us as a church. As I said, man, they're, they're strange. They like each other. They help each other. Not just each other. A lot of people are willing to help their friends. But we help people we don't even know. Amen. Helped to build a house for somebody last, last year that was without one. And that's, we're not in the business of, of providing houses for people, but God provided an opportunity and, uh, and we did that. That's us. That's us. And, you're, and you're part of that because of your tithes and offerings. But we take it out from here. And when what we do, not just our churchy selves, because there is a certain way that we are on Sunday morning at 1030. But what's more important is how we 
are when we're driving in Oklahoma City or Tulsa or God forbid Dallas. How many of you ever driven in Houston? Margie, I know you have. You were, were you there just a week or two ago? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's a metaphor for, just like Paul's metaphor of the body, the metaphor of how we operate in traffic is a metaphor for us being unselfish in everything we do. And he said, that's what church looks like. Pray with me, if you will. Father, I'm so thankful for the loving spirit that we have in this body of believers. And that for a couple of hours on Sunday, we can come together and, and be in fellowship one with the other and enjoy just being together, being a church family that supports each other. Father, as awesome as that opportunity is, I pray that we'd be inspired that when we leave this place, not, not even tomorrow, but in the next 30 minutes, that we'd be inspired to be loving in how we are to other people, whether it's in a restaurant or, or a convenience store when we get gas or driving down the road, that we'd be inspired to prefer others over ourselves. Not that we don't take care of ourselves. But this week, all the opportunities we have to put someone else first. To give preference to someone else. Lord, that in that we'd bring glory to you. That not in preaching a sermon or, or singing a song, or, but in how we treat others day in, day out, that, that that would be a testimony that our lives are influenced by Jesus, that we are filled up by the Holy Spirit and that it works out of us in our pores and in our words and in, in how we do everything. That our daily lives would be that testimony. That they would be glory to you. that how we operate around our kids and other people's kids would be a testimony of the presence of Jesus in our lives. It's in His name we pray and for His glory. Amen and amen. If you have a need, I pray that you wouldn't leave here without that need being met and that... uh, If you need somebody to pray for you, I'm here. Yvonne's here. I'd be happy to pray with you. I'm going to wait at the door uh, as we leave because I want to say howdy to you on the way out. And God bless Toby and his, whatever his next thing in life is. Y'all congratulate him too. God bless y'all. Have a great one.